Well, I'm so glad you're with us here. We're kind of wrapping up our series today on the Psalms. We've been talking about the um, chapters uh, from the book of Psalms in the Bible and uh, treating them for what they are. The Psalms are songs and poems uh, that speak to our hearts. And so we put them together. We've combined them into some playlists, some recommended playlists. If you are working out and somebody has some good music on, you go, what is that? And they go, well, that's my workout playlist. And so you can get a recommended playlist. Well, the idea would be on this too. And we've looked at different playlists for when we're anxious and afraid or when we're thankful. Today, we're talking about a playlist to use while we're waiting. And so what you'll see on this playlist, we're going to be looking at some verses from Psalm 37, where David uh, wrote about uh, some very clear instructions on how we should live while we're waiting. Now, some of you are going, Oh, I don't want to hear this. I hate waiting. <laughs> it's like, well, that's why you need this playlist, okay? These are things to listen to because we all hate waiting. I hate waiting for an app to download. I, I mean, most of us even hate it when we send a text and we didn't hear back. It's been three minutes and you didn't text me back. Are you still there? What's wrong? Is your phone not working? Okay. And if their phone wasn't working, they wouldn't get it. So that's kind of futile. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we hate it when we go to Walmart and we're in the two lines that are open and there's five other lines. What's the deal with that? Better text them. Okay. But the idea is we just hate waiting. And yet the Bible says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And that waiting on the Lord is good for us. And you'll see that in the passages today. So today we're going to talk about why the Bible says waiting on the Lord is good and what we're supposed to be doing while we're waiting. So if you've been waiting on the Lord for something, I'm glad you're here today. Because if you're not waiting on the Lord, you will be soon. This is just part of what it means to have a relationship with him. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And today, I pray, Lord, you will teach us how to practice our faith when it comes to waiting. Please speak to us, Lord. Move me out of the way and teach us some important things we know, we need to know about waiting and how to wait the right way. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to read you the first um, nine verses from Psalm 37. They're not in your bulletin. Just listen, but they'll be on the screen here. You can follow along. But this is David, and, we'll, and then I want to talk about waiting a little bit, and then we'll come back and address these verses that I read. Psalm 37, a psalm of David. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He'll make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. I mean, David knew all about trust and waiting. He had been anointed the second king of Israel when he was just a teenager, but he didn't become king until he was 30 years old. So he knew what God wanted him to do, but he didn't know when or how the circumstances would come about, and he had to wait and trust God 
while he was being chased by the first king who tried to kill him. So how could God, who had anointed him, send a prophet named Samuel to make sure he understood what God's plan was? How could God be behind all this? It seemed like it was all wrong. And yet David trusted him anyway, and he waited. So before we get back to those verses, I want to share a couple of things that are terribly important. This is where we're jumping in on your outline now. In order to have a relationship with the Lord, point A, we need to learn to wait on the Lord. The Bible just says this is part of the deal. Point one, the reason why two good reasons for this are because God looks at time differently than we do. He does. Psalm 90, verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that's just gone by, or like a watch in the night. A thousand years. God isn't limited by time like we are. We're very limited by time. I mean, because we have, I mean, compared, the Lord is eternal. He never ages. He's always been. He always will be. And, but we, we do age. And we get really antsy because we only have 70, 80 years. And one year of our life is 170th or 180th of our life. We go, Lord, hurry it up. It just seems like God is moving way too slow. But the Bible says, no, God takes the long view of things. I mean, the really long view of things. And he asks us to trust him that he's working on things that we can't even conceive of in our short time uh, lifespan. And that brings us to point two. The other reason why it's important to wait on the Lord is because God's plans aren't our plans. In fact, instead of our, write the word my up above there, my plans. God's plans are not my plans. Can we say that out loud together, please? God's plans are not my plans. Can anybody verify that? Oh, my goodness. But God's plans are always better. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I put together some moving boxes here that we would like to get God moving on. Uh, we may have a health concern. We may have a financial concern. I should have made this box the biggest one because we worry about this one a lot. But maybe it's better because it's small because we don't have a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we have concerns about our career. Where are we going with this? This isn't just when I'm in college. This can be after I've been working at a job, but it's a dead end. Or found out the company is uh, going out of business or it's been sold and my position might be eliminated. Oh, what do I do? Where do I go? And we pray, but where's the answer? We pray about our spouse and our kids. We pray for a spouse, and then we pray for our spouse that things will change. We pray for kids. God, please give us kids. And then we pray for our kids. Oh, Lord, change our kids. <laughs> I mean, it's true. We pray for a house. Where are we going to live? Or if you're a college student, where am I going to stay at college this next year? I don't have a place yet. Lord, it's coming. Oh. Why is it taking so long? Well, God's, look at time, God's view of time is different than ours, and his plans are different than ours. Now, point B, there's four good reasons we should wait on the Lord regarding all these things. First of all, we have to understand that God is maturing us. He's growing us up. New Testament, we're told that God is conforming us to the image of Jesus. He is constantly getting rid of rough edges, chopping off bad attitudes, sinful habits, 
wrong thinking. We've all got them. We've got character flaws. We all do. And that's why it's really important to take note of this, that character development takes time. We would love to pretend that somebody could just tell us about a flaw and we go, well, I think you're correct. I'll change that. Poof, we change. But it's not that way. It's not that way for anybody you know. Talking to people is important. Hearing other people's opinions are important. But the truth is, if character is going to change in my life, most of the time, I have to be shown. I have to experience it by banging my head into something probably multiple times. Or seeing my attitude, a bad attitude demonstrated in somebody else, seeing that and then going, I mean, this has happened in my life where I'm sitting there talking to somebody. I remember one time talking to somebody about this person was late. I go, I can't believe they're always late. The person looked at me and go, what are you talking about? You do that all the time. You, you don't show up when you, want, when you need to show up. And I didn't realize that many times I've been terribly rude to people. And I asked my wife, is that true? She goes, oh, yeah. I asked my mom, and she goes, oh, yeah, what are you talking about? Sure. Surprised you remembered to call me. Yeah, it's like one of those things. And you're going, oh, my goodness. And I really set to work on it, but all of us have had issues like that in our lives where we're going, all of a sudden we realize these things, and then we can change, and that's what God wants. See, when he comes into our lives, he's growing us and maturing us, but he wants us it to be voluntary. God doesn't just come into our lives and then scoop out a bunch of gray matter and give us a lobotomy that all of a sudden now all these things are fixed, but we have no memory and we don't even act like the person we were before. He brings us through situations and circumstances where he reveals things to us, and we see now, oh, he's right. God, will you help me? This happened in the life of every one of the Bible characters, every one of them. In the life of Joseph, here's how it's recorded in Psalm 105. Then God sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. It's talking about Joseph and Jacob, uh, Joseph and his brothers and his father Jacob and their families. Joseph was sold as a slave by his brothers. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. And until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. He didn't become the prime minister of Egypt, which he, God had showed him in a dream that he one day would become a mighty ruler. That didn't happen for another 13 years. Not only was he sold as a slave, but then he was accused of a crime he didn't commit. And God says, even the, t the Bible says, even the time when he was in chains in prison, God used that to shape his character because he knew Joseph would have to be a person who had lots of patience, who had lots of wisdom, and didn't have any pride in order to carry out his, his job. And so all those things were broken out of him. Do you know that God's working on you and me the same way? He is. And sometimes we go through painful circumstances. All of a sudden we realize our temper is terribly short. Our tongue is terribly sharp. Yeah, don't, don't amen that. <laughs> but I mean, there are all kinds of problems. And sometimes when we get heated up in the middle of a crisis, that's when the junk comes to the top. And then we can see ourselves and say, oh, Lord, I need you to help me with this. So one of the reasons we wait is because God is maturing us. Secondly, another reason we wait is because God is maturing others, too. 
I mean, let's, let's even take this whole idea of spouse and kids. We're praying for somebody to date. We're praying for somebody to marry. God, I'm ready. Well, you may well be ready, but guess who's not? The spouse. And if God allowed you to meet them today, God, why can't I meet them? I'm ready. Yeah, I know, but that guy isn't. You're not going to meet him for another eight months because next week he's going to go through a crisis that shows him a character flaw that he needs to deal with. And eight months from now, when you meet him, you're going to be, you're going to be thanking me that that was dealt with before you met him. I mean, listen to what Paul's saying in Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's working on you. He's working on me. He's working on all of us simultaneously and that's why some of our plans we go god what's what's the hold up here it may not be me but the other half of the marriage it is god what's the hold up with my kids how come they don't realize this oh they will next month they're going to go through a situation that's going to hit this head on you be ready but god's bringing it at a time because he knows what we can handle the question is but we trust him because I want to get a move on now. Let's get this thing unpacked. It doesn't work that way. Brings us point three, God's protecting us. A big reason we wait is because God, in his, by making us wait, he's protecting us. You are my strength, Psalm 59, 9. I wait for you to rescue me. For you, O oh God, are my fortress. God is a fortress protecting us. Well, how would that work? The same way it works I mean, our Heavenly Father protects his kids the same way I protected my kids. My kids were teenagers. I told them no all the time. Can we just go see this movie? No. Can I go hang out at this friend's house? Not that friend. Nope. Can I go to this party? No way. No, no, no. And we even joke about it now. Now they're, they're married and other things. They go, Dad, you said no all the time. Oh, yeah, of course I did. Well, you're not telling us no now. And I go, no, you're married and you're paying for your own stuff now. Go have fun, Okay. I raised him to be independent and make good decisions, but I needed to say no because, believe it or not, those of you that are teenagers here, you're not at your wisest point of your life. And I know this. Yeah, now a lot of parents are saying, amen. Uh, where can I get this message? Okay, I want to I play this again for my kids. When I, because I was a teenager, and I don't know what percentage of my, of my decisions would have been terrible, but it was a pretty good percentage looking back. And I'm so thankful that I had parents going, no, 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 no. Ten years later, I would have never made the same decision. Well, now, if we know that as earthly parents, how come we don't trust that our Heavenly Father sees things 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road? It's like, John, that'd be the dumbest thing you could ever do. Keep your shirt on. Wait, I'm protecting you from bad circumstances, bad decisions, I'm protecting you. If you'll wait for the right person, I'm developing them. It's just going to take a little bit. And again, he might be working on me. Maybe I'm the one who's not ready to meet the person eight months till eight months from now. Fourthly, waiting builds intimacy and dependence on God. God loves it when we talk to him. When we come to him with all our burdens, this is what he wants. And sometimes when we have to wait for a while... It drives us to our knees and drives us to prayer. And he loves that. He loves that. 
Psalm 130. It's another one of these on the playlist here, by the way. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. My soul is waiting. This is what God wants. Not just, hey, yeah, I wait for the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. Yeah, that's what Christians are supposed to say. No. This is my profession. And by the way, think of the picture there of a watchman waiting for morning. You can picture a sentry out on guard duty walking the perimeter of a camp. They know the enemy's out there in the dark. They just don't know where. This guy is on patrol. He has to give the signal. Everybody else is getting some sleep. He is praying for morning. God, bring morning. But that watchman is certain that the sun will come up. It's just scary walking the patrol till it does. What if you and I live that way? Like a watchman waiting for morning. Lord, I know that you're working on me and you're working on it. I'm going to trust you. Lord, I know that you can provide for my needs. Lord, I know you're working on this stuff. And we get to the place where we honestly talk to him every day and say, God, I'm, I'm bringing this to you again. Please show me what I can do. And sometimes there's nothing we can do. We just need to wait because he's working on all those other things. It's not just about me. He's working on the whole universe simultaneously. So now with a running start on that, now we can get back to Psalm 37. I feel like we need to do this because we struggle with waiting so much. I just want to get some good reasons for it out there on the table first. So the first nine verses, Psalm 37. David, this point C in your outline, David gave us some great instructions here on how to live while we're waiting. I mean, if waiting is part of life because God looks at time differently, doesn't share the same plans, and we trust that he's really maturing all of us and he wants us to be close to him, well, what should we be doing while we're waiting? Well, David gives us a little laundry list here. So seven things from Psalm 37. This is verses 1 and 2. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Don't envy. It is so easy to do that, to spend all our time while we're waiting, comparing ourselves. Well, Lord, these people don't even worship you. How come they got a nice house and I don't? How come they got more money than I do? How come they have a better job? Lord, that's not fair. And we have no idea what God is accomplishing in their lives. And we're not asked to know. We're asked to trust God for what he's doing in our lives. And envy can eat us up. David said, by the way, those wicked people you're envious of, they'll soon fade away like spring flowers. Remember, God takes a long view. Not just six months or a year. Point two, a second thing we can do, we can trust in the Lord and do good. Then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. I mean, if I trust in the Lord, I don't need to envy other people. I can go about doing good. I don't waste my time. I can do the things that I know I need to be doing. There's a similar thought in Romans chapter 12 where Paul is talking to Christians, telling them, hey, here's how you handle it when people treat you terribly, when people are mean and hateful to you. He says, do all that you can. This is Romans 12, 18 and 21. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. 
And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. If we let the Lord handle the problem, then I can go about doing good. If I let the Lord take care of my concerns, then even if it takes longer than I think it should, I mean way longer than I think it should, then I can be busy doing the other things I need to be doing. David said, that's a good use of time. You're waiting either way. Don't get all balled up and envy. Do good. Point three, take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desires. This is what we're talking about with intimacy. This is delight. I instruct people all the time who are saying, man, I can't find a, somebody to date. I'm just looking for Mr. Right or Miss Right, and, and I just I haven't met them yet. Where are they? Why does it take so long? What do I need to do while I'm waiting? Well, right. what David would say is, well, then if you don't have somebody you can date, well, then date the Lord. Spend extra time with him. Take delight in him. And it'd be foolish to say, well, I don't have time. You got lots of time. Nobody else has gone out, will you? <laughs> I mean, did I miss something there? But we're not willing to do that. And the Lord says, you know what? If you delight yourself in me, when you delight yourself in me and this other person is delighting themselves in me, you're going to both be getting closer to each other. It's a lot easier to bring you together. Hmm. My heart heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. When I was dating my wife, she would have an unexpected evening free or something like that. She goes, hey, I, had a, I got the evening free. You want to go spend some time together? I'm already there, baby. Because I delighted in that. I got a free evening with the redhead. Woohoo! I mean, why wouldn't I? Well, do you know that the Lord wants to spend time with us? And so often we're going, oh, I'm all balled up. I got, but Lord, I got to handle these problems. I got to handle all these things. And that brings us right to point four. David says, no, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. He'll make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Now, I don't do this a whole lot, but every now and then, when I'm going through these verses, studying them, in the original languages, the, this was originally written in Hebrew, there's a word for commit there that just fascinated me, just caught my attention this week. It's pronounced galal, and it just means to roll. I thought, well, that's odd. And so I looked up all these commentaries and, what, and how, it's wor how it's worded. And so put that in there. Roll everything you do onto the Lord. Roll all your concerns over to him. That's why I have these boxes here and this hand truck this morning. Because what it means is, it doesn't mean that you won't have problems in your life. You won't have to wait on the Lord. It means while you're waiting, instead of you trying to solve all your problems, it means roll them over to God's house and drop them off. Lord, you know I need money. And Lord, you know I have a health concern. Lord, I need a job. And Lord, I need a date. Or I need a spouse. Or Lord, my kids need help. Or Lord, I just want kids. Lord, I need a place to live. And what David says here is, instead of envying, instead of getting all balled up in these things, roll it over to God and leave it there. doesn't say, now God, I want all this. And if I roll over there, you'll give me everything I want. He says, no, 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 commit all this to the Lord, and he'll give you 
your heart's desires because he knows what the desires are better than you do. I mean, you'll see how this fits in here now with the next point. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Well, if I'm hanging on to all this stuff, I can't be still. I got I to gotta solve all these problems. But if I roll it over to the Lord, I can be still because I know he's working on it. Psalm 46.10, same thought. Be still and know that I am God. Could we say that out loud together, please? Be still and know that I am God. Well, if I'm going to take on all these problems, I'll say, well, God, no thanks. I'll be God. Good luck with that, by the way. That's a bad choice. If we roll it over to him, he says, hey, you can be still. I got this. And so when we surrender our finances, surrender our health, surrender our career, and say, God, what do you want me to have? Would you show me the desires I want to have? He goes, oh, if you'll delight yourself in me, I'll be glad to show you. Point six, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. The wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Because we get so angry and bent out of shape. Lord, it's not fair. How come they get this? And how come I have to deal with this and nobody else does? And Lord, why don't I have a house like they have? And how come they got all this stuff with their family? They got this beautiful family and I got my family. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't repeat that at your holiday lunches or whatever. <laughs> but we talk that way. And David goes, hey... Mm-mm. Roll it over to the Lord. Don't get all bent out of shape here. Psalm 4 says the same thing. You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I called him. So don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight. Remain silent. It's not good. And David says, while you're waiting, don't get jealous. Don't get bent out of shape in anger. Be still. Delight yourself in the Lord. Roll it over to him. And then I added one more verse from Psalm 37. It's verse 34. I hadn't read it yet today, but just listen to this too. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path, and he'll honor you by giving you the land. You'll see the wicked destroyed. David reminded people, you can trust the Lord. His sense of timing is way different than ours. His plans have never been ours. They're much better. And he just says, keep going. Some of you have been waiting for a long time for an answer to some of these financial concerns. Tomorrow, the answer may come. Some of you have been waiting for an answer with your health, with your career, your kids, or your spouse or a place to live, how do you know that we're not a few days away or a few months away from an answer that would blow you out of the water? I mean, you wouldn't even believe it. And that's why all these stories are in the Bible that Joseph, the guy in fetters, I mean, one day he was in prison and then he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh because God gave him the interpretation 
And Pharaoh goes, I need you to be my right-hand man. Who's smarter than you? And in one day, he went from the jailhouse to the White House. In one day. And the day before was probably just a Tuesday. But the answer was coming. Psalm 27, same thought again. And this is also on your playlist here. Yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Keep going. Some of you are here today and you go, John, you have no idea how long I've been waiting for an answer. I don't, but the Lord does. He knows every second. Some of us have just started praying about something. The Lord's going to work this out. But he wants us to come to him, delight in him, and trust him. I've asked Shelly Green, our worship leader here, to uh, give us a... Uh, to play a song for us. It's a modern version of one of these psalms on waiting, a song by Lincoln Brewster entitled, While I Wait. I mean, you'll see why she's singing it as we go through. But while she is singing, here's what I want you to do. I want you to use that time to pray and reflect and surrender. Maybe it's a financial concern. Maybe you have a health concern, a career decision, maybe a relationship with spouse and kids, somebody you're dating, maybe a relationship with a friend that you need reconciliation. Maybe you don't know where you're supposed to live. Whatever the concern would be, I'm going to ask you to surrender that to the Lord and say, while she's singing this song. But I'm going to have a brief word of prayer for us first. And then as she's leading us, spend that time in reflection and surrender. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the Psalms. I thank you, Lord, for the words of hope and encouragement and the reminders that you are so much smarter than we are. Your plans are so much better. And God, while we wait, we need to worship and trust you. Do business in our hearts today, Lord. Help us surrender everything to you so we don't have to be balled up in anger and in jealousy and in fear. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.